What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, everybody. Uh, this week, Bridie and I sit down with Ashley Renard, uh, the author of the book Swing. Uh, she was a figure skating coach and a choreographer, and eventually she took the quest for perfection into marriage and motherhood with some disastrous and hilarious results. And uh, so we dive into the contents of her book uh, and also her, her viral series, How to Keep Monogamy Hot, uh, that she does on social media. Um, and it was a really hilarious and fun conversation. Uh, we talked to Ashley about experiences in the swinging lifestyle that led her to write the book. And um, we talked about silent expectations and uh, communication up-leveling. Uh, and, uh, and of course, we also talk about the bro code, which she's deeply immersed in with the raising of her teenage boys. So hope you enjoy this conversation and uh, we will see you on the other side. Ashley Renard, so uh, so excited to be sitting down chatting with you today. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I feel like we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But uh, the first thing that I that I I really I really want to just firstly dive into uh, kind of unpacking your book, uh, best selling book, 
with a title that I feel like there's not enough books that just have a one word, very simple fucking title, just one word. And the word is swing. That's a great title. Swing, baby. Thank you. And I, I mean, I think books should be named like humans, like just pick a word. You got to pick one, just pick one. And yeah, swing, swing was it for this. Did you know that right off the bat? I did. No, I knew it (laughs) even when I was still living the story and I was in like calamity after calamity. It's like, it's like my failed attempt at the swing lifestyle. I was a perfectionist mom raised as a figure skater in Canada, um, then coached figure skating for 23 years. Like this was my ultimate, like epic fail, like something that I really wanted to do. That was a high level of difficulty in my eyes. And, um, yeah, my book's like the complete idiot's guide for what not to do. (laughs) And so even as I was living it out, I was like, wow, this is really something like, I think this is a story I'm going to tell in some way or another. And actually I, I saw it, I saw it as a movie poster and I started it as a screenplay and it was like swing. And it's this woman, three kids hanging off one side of her and three men hanging off the other. And it says some moms try to do it all. Oh, that. <laughs> I know it's been optioned for, for film. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's what I see is like the Netflix or yeah. whatever it's going to be on, you know, like the, totally. like the, the cover the advertisement, the cover the billboard. Yeah. 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 I would love to take it way back. Cause I, I'm really intrigued by a couple of things. First of all, I'd love to hear what you mean when you say perfectionism. I, I kind of get a sense of how that fits into figure skating background. Um, but I like I just think it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. And a lot of people like say it's like, you know, they're both their biggest strength and their biggest weakness. So yeah. it we like to hear origin stories. If we could take it back to kind of your earliest realization of this tendency and then how it's unfolded in your experience of this life. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And it's like an interesting situation, like chicken or the egg, right? Like, Mm. was I just born with these tendencies or was it, you know, figure skating mother, very strict father? um, Or was it that like one adult accidentally hung a carrot in front of me one time. And then I just kept hanging imaginary carrots in front of myself. Um, I was oldest child, uh, you know, firstborn girl, oldest of four. I was on skates by the time I was two and a half years old. I was one of those weird skaters who loved patch. That's like figures, you know, the figure eights where we just trace them and trace them in silence for like hours. That was my favorite part of the day because rather than, you know, having to worry about other skaters on the ice or whether or not I landed a jump or not, I could just be so precise with my patch. It was like skating turned into math. Mm. And it was like, if I have the right body position, if I have the right lean, if I have the right weight on my blade, then every one of my tracings can be exactly on top of each other. I mean, like blank ice, go draw a figure eight and every tracing is within half an inch. Like And you get graded on it and the highest score, the perfection is a 6.0. So it's not like, oh yeah, you know, perfection's never attainable as a skater. um, I mean, like that's the thing you're going for every day. And at a young age, I realized, oh, I can be very successful in my day if I completely ignore what my body is telling me. Like if my feet are cold or my muscles are sore or I'm really hurting, if I can push that down and try to like out-discipline the needs of my body or the emotions of myself as a child or a young adult. Um, And I took 
those skills, those things that served me well in a performance type sport where, you know, you have to push yourself to the limit and then make it look effortless and beautiful. I took that into everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. I took that into school. I took that into motherhood. I took that into marriage so far and so deep that it took us imploding our marriage at, at various sex clubs up and down the East coast for me to realize, Oh damn, like, do I know how I feel about anything at all? Or am mm. I just looking around to say, Hey, what, what would impress them? What would impress them? How can I get like, you know, the, the denominator that kind of like checks the boxes for the mm. most number of people uh, at once. That, that Ooh. number six, that score, that perfect score, how do, how do you search, like, what do you, what's the equivalent to that, that you're looking for when you're out there trying to be a perfect mom or wife? Yeah. Well, it's not comparing myself to anybody else. Um, from the time I was really young, I would compare myself to like the gold standard textbook, perfect girl that like didn't even exist. Right. Yeah. But I would just like which made it even more dangerous, like to ratchet it up. Mm. Um, just like if I had no negative emotions, if I had only positive attributes, if nothing in my external world was in my way, how would I be able to behave? And like, that's the standard I would hold for myself. So, I mean, needless to say, by the time I was seven, I was like exhausted. Um, <laughs> yeah. But just still pushing through, pushing through, just thinking, oh, if I figure it out, like crack the code, then things will become easier. And I think that that is, that's the rub. And that's like the, the dangerous part of perfectionism. Like perfectionism is one addiction that like people will like want mm -hmm. to borrow from you, you know, mm -hmm. like, especially, especially elite athletes. Um, you know, like, I don't think anybody would want to be Michael Phelps, like for a whole lifetime, but they would love to borrow some of that discipline to like, you know, reach their work goals or their health goals or whatever. But the thing is, you, you wouldn't wish the full Monty on anyone, really. Mm. Um, but even being able to, it takes an incredible amount of self-awareness to like notice it in yourself and then turn it down to, to like, it's like turning down the gas mm. so that you can, you can get through things without singeing yourself when you don't anticipate or execute perfectly. Mm. I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to know how you even up as a seven-year-old, like what does not, what, you know, if you experience a negative feeling and you have failed at perfection that day, like it seems to me to write a book about failure, you have to have a little bit of ability to like find some perspective, find some humor and go, this is still valuable, even though it's not perfect. So is that something you had to cultivate? Like, how did you, how do you handle imperfection? Well, I, I just like, I, I, I dodged it and tried to outrun it and tried to out jump it. And it wasn't until I got to this place 10 years into my marriage, I just tripled the size of my business. I had three kids. So I was homeschooling on purpose. This was before pandemic. Okay. And like my toddlers grew their own vegetables, like all, all of it. Right. Right. Wow. Like the mom who's basically finished Pinterest that I was like, <laughs> oh shit. I think I've like hit the limit to things I can pile on my plate every day to try to feel like I'm doing a good enough job or like I'm trying mm. hard enough. Right. Um, I got to this breaking point where I was like, oh shit, if all of this hasn't done it for me, like nothing's going to do it for me. Mm. And in that, in that 
realization, oh, oh, damn, you're the thing you're trying to do is never going to make you feel the way you want to feel. I was left like holding this sort of bag of lies that I had like really taken good care of my whole life. And I was like, oh, what if I just set that down and allowed myself the freedom to say, wait, what if I didn't know anything before today? If I just went through it with my gut and asked myself, what's important? What's important in mothering? What's important in my marriage? What's important in the way I treat myself or the expectations I have for myself each day. Um, it took, it took a real breaking point and feeling so ashamed because this, this way I realized, oh, my marriage isn't as strong as I thought it was Mm -hmm. my own discipline and, and judgment and decision-making capacities are not what I thought they were. Like I was, you know, all of, all of the fallacies I'd kind of, uh, you know, sidestepped kind of started hitting me in the face, even, you know, realizations, realizations about misogyny that I had never really realized. I was always like, oh, you know, I love being a woman because like, you know, you know, out in college, people buy drinks for you or whatever. But then it was Mm -hmm. like, oh, fuck. There are so many times when I've been the butt of the joke and I didn't even know, Mm. you know, like, like these kind of equality blinders, especially growing up in a progressive family in Canada and then moving to the U.S. a year after 9-11. Um, a lot of times I was like, oh shit, no, things can't really be the way they seem, but, but yes, they, they are. Um, so all of that, you know, growing up and raising three boys in a different sort of environment and society than what I, where I was raised and where it feels like things are going backwards. Like everything, just the bottom started to fall out of everything at once. Hmm. And, um, my shame told me, Ashley, yeah, you realize this going to sex clubs, like really taking like you know, what, what would be like the worst thing a mom could do, like prioritize her own pleasure, basically. Right. Um, And that's how you found out all these things. So you can never tell anybody ever. And writing the story and sharing, it was like an uno reverse on my shame. I was like, Oh, never. I could never tell anyone. Well, what, what if I take my storytelling experience because I was a choreographer for 23 years. Mm. What if I, what if I really work on telling my stories with my words and I craft this into a story that's like, a piece of art that, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not just trauma vomit. It's, it's a story that mm-hmm. is entertaining and sexy and it's, it's sexy and funny enough to like stomach the reality of how honest you need to be mm-hmm. to have a relationship of integrity with yourself or with anyone else. Okay. So like how that this is clearly, this was just a switch that you flipped one day and then everything was, uh, smooth from then on or <laughs> tell yeah, me a little. Of course, that's how it all works. That's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where exactly. is the switch and how do we yeah. find it? Yeah. Okay. It, it is a switch to go, wait a minute, the lights on. It's a switch that you can't flip when it flips right. and the lights are on and you're like, shit, I've been lying to myself a lot. Then the courage is to look towards the light all the time when you're like, wait, something isn't feeling right. Then you're like, wait a minute, my integrity, my integrity, I, I, the things I know are right. Right. And sometimes I would carry a list around in my, in my pocket of like people who I know really know me and really like me things Mm. that I know are true. Like it was just like, wait a minute, because the whole false, false, like perfectionism, being the good daughter, being the good wife, the mother-in-law, all that's, you know, the good daughter-in-law that was so glitzy to me that I had to like turn my back on it all the time and go, no, 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 wait a minute. I know the truth is in this direction. So every time something comes up, I'm going to like hold it up against that window, like that light. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So it takes, it takes a lot of courage because a lot of times I realized I was really fucking wrong about things mm-hmm. and yeah. that required apologies that required, uh, like trying to repair that required me realizing, holy shit, I've lived my life under that assumption and I've influenced other people under that assumption for a long time. Yeah. And, and even though I've staked so much on, I'm going to say, shit, I was wrong. I was wrong about that. So but that becomes its its own kind of rush. And it's like this rush mm-hmm. of freedom and it's this rush of honesty and it's this rush of weight falling off your shoulders mm-hmm. instead of instead of being added to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you you guys know being being honest about your lives and sharing about, you know, topics that people normally would keep very buttoned up to live a life of honesty takes a lot of courage because you're just going to be scared shitless all the time. Cause you're going to look around and go, Oh yeah, nobody else I know is being honest about that. Um, but there, there's this pull, there's this pull inside to say, Hey, but a lot of people are suffering. A lot of people are having a really hard time because everybody just says, Oh, that's the way it is. And that courage to really examine, reimagine everything that you think is important um, whether it's going to make you look good or not, I think that is the challenge that we have. Mm. I I do want to get into like the contents of the story of the book, but there's also something that's just kind of coming to me that's very heartbreaking about what you're saying because I, I know in any process of like growth and change, there's something that you're leaving behind that you've held on to for a while, whether it's a belief or uh, some sort of like false sense of of the world of security and that, and that turning away from that can be really painful. Um, and and like, whether it's a contemplation of how much energy you've put in or that you've influenced other people in your maybe delusion of what was, but just like, Oh, even just the realization that there's work to be done can be so fucking crushing sometimes where you're like, I have to, I have to begin the process of letting go and the process of relearning. And even when it's a weight off your shoulders, like you say, there's still, still a sense, work. still work yeah. and you're still leaving something behind that at yeah. one point served you. Yeah, absolutely. The grief, the yeah. amount of grief I have felt in letting go of my old ideas about myself and about life. It's, it's super painful. Yeah, yeah. It is super painful, but I think, when you get clear on your integrity and your your commitment to leading life with honesty, the decision's already made for you so many times that you don't have to decide to turn away. You already know when you see the clarity of that situation that, oh, okay, that's that's a that's a deal breaker for staying in in this situation or upholding this institution or belief. Right. So the decision's already made, which is which is really a relief to me. I have a ton of placements in Libra. So if it's like, it's clear, I got to go this way. You know, It's like, I, I can, I can walk away when I'm like, Oh, am I a better person if I stay? And I'm still trying to juggle and negotiate. That's when it's a mind fuck. The other way is just incredibly free and incredibly painful because you still have this like healing fantasy of like the way things could have worked out if that person was really different or if that situation was the way you wanted it to be, you know, but seeing it as, as a healing fantasy. And if you guys haven't read it, 
um, really great book called The Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. Okay. Mm, I'll heard add of, that to yeah, the list. I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for your listeners too, for your listeners too, um, fantastic book that really like shows like a lot of us were parentified, you know, and like yeah. Gen X or what do you guys like older millennials or Gen X? I mean, a lot of us were parentified real fast yeah. um, for a bunch of different reasons and just realizing, oh, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, I did see things more clearly than the adults around me as a child. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You know, and people who are empathic or highly sensitive, like, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever had this this situation, but this happened to me a lot as a kid that I would be in a room with a bunch of adults and the adults would be like, now this is the biggest problem here. And I was like, oh shit, they think that's the problem. Like they don't see all this other shit. Okay. All right. And you kind of just have to like play at their level, which their level is like sort of like they're at the kid's table. Do you know what I right. mean? Yeah. So the way that we all become so savvy in navigating emotional relationships to emotional situations to stay safe, mm -hmm. um, there is a huge amount of grief when you're like, oh, I just really wanted everyone to get along or my Ooh. family to be healthy or happy or, you know, this relationship to be what I thought it could be when I see the potential in the other person. Um, yeah. So there, it's not all rainbows. Like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of tears, but, but in feeling that's the biggest thing about healing. When you feel it, you realize, oh shit, that, that thing I was running away from for so long was never really going to hurt me. Like mm -hmm. I feel it, but like the actual energy to outrun it is far more exhausting in most cases than just mm -hmm. sitting in it. It's almost mm -hmm. like if you take time to feel it, then you can heal it. You can heal it, baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of those laws of life. Um, okay, so let's. I, yeah, get I mean, I'm I'm dying to know like about the you know it, we we've we've spoken to people who have like like you know dived head first into the swinging lifestyle. We've we've spoken to people who've kind of just dipped their pinky toe in, um, and I I always find it really I'm always very curious about the the conversations had between couples to take that leap. Um, and so, and, 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 you know, it, it seems like this was, this decision was made after kids. So like, is yeah. there, like, I'm just really curious about the story. Like, how did the, how did you get to a point where you decided maybe we should explore this? Yeah. It was a decision that was made before kids and after kids, both. We went to a club once when we were engaged before we were married and it was incredible. It was like the best time out we had ever had in our young lives. We were like 22 and 23 years old. <laughs> um, but you walk into a club and, um, you know, for your listeners, don't know how much experience they have from stories or personal experience. It's incredibly sexy and it's incredibly welcoming. It's like cheers. Like everybody wants to know your name, <laughs> but it's not creepy. You know, like I say, you know, I've never had a man put their hand on my back to squeeze past me at a sex club like that mm. people can't pretend they don't know what consent is yeah. you know mm. there's no sensitivity training at the door people just like use their good brains yeah and realize yeah if i need to get past a woman i'm gonna hold my drinks up and say hey excuse me hey like coming by yeah have a good night <laughs> you know you're like you're like a respectable human um and the i loved being able to be there and be dressed up sexy yeah. and yeah have 
other women go, oh my God, you look great. Like the level of competitiveness between women is turned down. It's like an entirely different, it's like you're in the upside down. People like that you're (laughs) sexy, but nobody's creepy. It's, it's so interesting. And then, you know, you look over, it's like the witching hour, it hits like 11 PM. And uh, all of a sudden the guy next to you, his pants are down and his wife is on her knees, giving him a blowjob on the dance floor. And it's like, you know, everything gets very sexy very quickly. Um, so we had a great time. And then as we wrote about this, in, I wrote about this in swing. Um, there was uh, like an undercover, like sting operation on that club in Philadelphia, like two weeks after we went. So it shut down oh, in the night. Like yeah, you, because it, it was technically not legal to be no, operating or what's the, the way that they got them was like, there were mattresses against some like emergency exits like it was right. l and i like licensing and you inspections violations we all want to have a good time and we all want to be safe in case there's a fire yes, yes. both things both can things. be true both <laughs> yeah. things so there were like i think about eight thousand couples who were members of that club at that time it was like one of the Whoa, it was huge. huge and um we saw we were watching seinfeld that night and it's like <laughs> Tonight on Philadelphia News, local sex club shut down. We're like, oh my God, it can't be our club. <laughs> and it was. And, you know, we're sitting there like, oh my God. And then we we took that as a sign, like, okay, fuck. I, I guess we should just be responsible adults. And then we got married. A year later, we we're pregnant. And a year later, baby, another baby, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward 10 years. And we had always said, okay, when we get to a point, I love your dog so much. What is your dog's name? I know. This is donut. donut. Yeah. I donut. Okay. So we always so said. So distracting. Lay down. So cute. Lay down. We always said that when we would get to the point where we weren't just passing babies back and forth every night and we could like be away from our kids for the night that we would go back to clubs. And the reason that we said this was because we we really, it's this blind spot, right? We, we thought, okay, we are so not jealous. Yeah. And anyone else who's as not jealous as us would definitely be <laughs> not monogamous. Like it was a real chip on our shoulder kind of thing. Like, like wouldn't everybody want this, but they couldn't. Cause like, oh, we have like this, this character trait that like this non-jealousy, right? Mm. Um, and so we always talked about how we would, we would like to explore clubs, you know, when the kids were older. So when our toddler, our littlest was like two and a half, I was still nursing, right? I was still breastfeeding. He could go for a sleepover at my in-laws, my Greek in-laws. So we decided to go to a club again. And there had been some new clubs that opened up in Philly over that decade. Imagine that. And we went to the biggest one and um, it was incredible and it was so sexy. And it was just this place that was centered on adult fun, like it felt so ridiculously indulgent. You know, we were both, I had just tripled the size of my business. So now I had like a hundred and uh, 300 skating parents, 150 athletes on 10 teams. Um, and Manny worked in the stock market. And like, if you definitely want a stomach ulcer, like work in the stock market or work with figure skating parents, like our lives were really stressful and our kids, you know, had barely slept. Like our oldest was like 10. It was just, it was, it was a lot. And us going there, it was like, it was like our marriage was like reinvigorated even before we went, because like, we actually had something to talk about the two of us. We actually had something to like dream up. We actually had something to like fantasize about. Um, so the way we started talking and texting and like connecting and communicating was like, 
I don't know, it's probably even, even hotter than when we were dating. Cause like we weren't even text messaging when we were dating. It was back mm-hmm. early, early two thousands. Um, so just the excitement in our daily life went up before we even went to the club. And then I'm one of those people who likes to push it to the limit as soon as possible. So we went, we went once and we just, you know, just for your audience, like two thirds of people who go to clubs aren't going to interact with other people probably like a third, Mm -hmm. just go there for like the atmosphere. Then they go home and have sex with their partner. And then the second, third, maybe they go for the atmosphere and maybe they'll interact with their partner there, like either out in public or in a private room, curtain open or closed. Like there are lots of, there are lots of like things on the continuum of even having sex in a sex club, right? Mm-hmm. Um, ways to just enjoy it with your own partner, uh, either being watched or not, or watching other people. And then maybe a third, the last third are actually going to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just going to be like, you know, like soft swap, like kissing or touching or oral with another partner or, or could be full swap all the way to full swap. Right. Um, which means, you know, I'm not sure what, what all your audience knows. They probably know all of this. If they don't know what a, what a full swap is. Maybe they're just tuning in for the very first time. Oh yeah. Okay. If they're tuning in for the first time, that's a good point. Yeah. That's when both partners interact with one other couple, right? You swap with. Usually it's a, it's a swap. Like, yeah. yeah, Couple, couple. And then like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, people always ask, is it hard for the attraction to be level across? And I said, no, it's not hard. It's impossible. Usually there are like two people who are more attracted to each other mm-hmm. than, than the other in our experience, because we are very bad, immature swingers. Um, <laughs> I like, I, I totally fell for the first guy who told me I was funny and beautiful. I was like, Oh my God, I think I found my soulmate. So he sees me. He sees me. He tells me how much he sees me like in 200 text messages a day, you know? Um, but it was through that, it was through that, that I realized, Oh shit, I'm not just here for the, for the physical excitement. Mm. I've really been whether I was looking for emotional connection with someone else or just hoping I would get it for my husband through the experience, or I'd pushed it down so far that I like actually didn't think I had those emotional needs. I I don't know. It's probably a bit of all of them. Um, But we went really quickly from having just sexual experiences with each other at a club to then going into a back room with another couple, which was freaking amazing when I was on top of my partner and he was on top of his and we leaned across and kissed and he said right into my mouth, you are so hot. Like as we're kissing, you know, like Mm -hmm. kissing whisper messages. That's Mm -hmm. hot. That's so hot. I mean, that is so hot. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like, I got to tell you, you know, I've been with my husband a long time. I don't remember the last time I had like a kissing whisper message (laughs) and it was just lighting up. It was like, (laughs) yes. it was like, I, I was probably a latent um, relationship addict before this, but it just like lit up all of my, all of my stimulation centers. And I was like, this is what I've been missing in my life. I think, I think work would be easier. I think mothering would be easier. You'd be happier in my marriage. I was like, I just don't think I'm wired for monogamy. Um, but I, I realized our marriage wasn't really as stable. We underestimated the complexities of the swing lifestyle. We vastly overestimated the stability of our relationship. Okay. Um, and as you guys know, there's something 
there's something really incredible about the level of communication you have to have before you even step foot into like a non-traditional mm-hmm. sort of sexual, you know, any sort of situation, right? Like the what ifs, the what ifs, what ifs, like your, your communication with your partner, like up levels so quickly. And it's usually so different than what people experience in everyday life. So the closeness you feel and also the challenges you get to really quickly um, are, are intense. So yeah, quite, quite quickly we realized, oh, I don't know if we have like the emotional intelligence or like, I don't know if we have the dialogue and communication to really be clear about bo- what both of us or each of us wants in this situation. Hmm. Okay. And, and what was the, like, what was the catalyst to, to making that realization? Like, was it through, like, you know, was it, th- I mean, I feel like a lot of times to come to that realization, it, the light bulb kind of goes off during or just after a fight um, for a lot of people. Um, or, or sometimes, sometimes not, not so much that, sometimes it's, it comes through just like a, a reasonable discussion between the two of you. And then you both kind of make that, that, that sort of, the light bulb goes off and you go, Oh fuck, this is like, this is happening. But I'm kind of curious, like, did you, did you both come to this realization at the same time? Or how did you get to that, that point where you were like, Oh fuck, like this, it's not just, it's not as simple as I had originally thought it would have been. I'm going to hazard a guess that it has something to do with the non-jealousy gene that you guys were born with. (laughs) Well, it, it, it has something to do with that to the fact, to the point that, I started falling in love with this other man because we started dating another couple because mm. after that whisper kiss message, I was like, oh, more of this, please. And mm-hmm. with the four of us in the room that night, I wasn't able to climax. I was just interacting with with my partner. There was like some touching with me and her and then he and I kissed. Um, but there was still too much going on. And I was like, oh, hell no. I'm so turned on. And for me not to be able to climax in the situation where I'm so turned on that, that I don't want that. So immediately I was like, oh, separate room full swap is probably going to be the solution to this. Like I need okay. fewer people around, but I want to feel what that feels like to be with a man who's really desiring me because that's what, that's what was really exciting to me. So I pressed, you know, the gas and we got on an app to try to meet other people. Cause I was like, I don't want to just do this with like random people we would meet on a Saturday. Like it just, it felt like uh, I want to be safe. I want to be as responsible as possible in this really non-mainstream choice. So I wanted to like vet people to get to know them, things like that. So we started dating this other couple and um, we thought that they were very new to the lifestyle like us, but on our first date with them at like a steakhouse that we would go to with like friends and family. I don't know why we weren't like more covert. We were so nervous. We walk in and we're like a table for four, please. And we're like, Oh my God, they're going to, they're going to sit in the section. Like they know, they know (laughs) the swinger section at the keg. (laughs) It's the American keg. Exactly. Um, We, we hit it off with them really quickly. And what, what I realized right away was that the guy, his name is Brad, um, was very enamored with me right away because I was the one who was like on the app and I was messaging and he's like, oh, hey there, hey there, lady, boss lady, right? <laughs> um, and I think I think what he was really looking for was, uh, you know, somebody who would like really take the lead and make him feel like so desired. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So desired. 
Um, because his wife and uh, his ex-wives and the other couple they were dating, I guess all those women involved hadn't <laughs> quite hit the spot for him yet. Okay. Uh, oh <laughs> so this is the situation I'm getting myself into, right? Um, and really quickly, I realized, oh, wow, like super attracted to this guy. And also like this emotional connection and the things he's telling me about like, oh my God, you're such a good mom. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, wow. Like I was, holy moly. I was, I was, uh, dra- I was like starving. And now he's like giving me this. I'm like, oh, Manny to my husband, like, oh, I realize I do kind of like these things. I'd really prided myself in being so low maintenance emotionally, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I do know. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, because it's a big badge of honor to like be one of those. Oh, I don't need that. I'm not like those girls. And I mean, it was so subtle, and I don't think I knew my reasons for labeling myself that way, you know, growing up. But I mean, it was probably internalized misogyny on my part. Yeah, you know, trying to think of myself as being like more level-headed and less emotional and you know, all of, all of these things. And what do they even fucking mean? Like, if you're less emotional, you're probably less intuitive. You're probably like more shut down. Like, so me falling for this other guy and realizing that Manny didn't really even care. Like he was so not jealous that I was like, what's happening here? (laughs) What what is happening here? Mm. And, and that sort of uncovered that like cracked me open in like, oh, like he doesn't really care if I love someone else as long as I'm still here. So like, what, am I just like a pretty houseplant? And also he was raised in a really traditional Greek Orthodox home. And so just, it highlighted a lot of things about like, well, wait a minute, what assumptions are we both coming into this marriage with that we are both so blind to um, that I think I... I mean, I think this is the cause of so much marital disharmony is that both parties have their like set paradigms, their set like program operating manual for how to do marriage. And they haven't even compared notes with each other. Yeah. Mm. Turn me on podcast. We'll be back after this short break. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. 
no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Yeah, 100%. I always, we were talking about this at, I was talking about this at dinner or breakfast, a meal, with some friends the other day, and we were talking about marriage and how the contract of marriage like the really we don't talk about relationship agreements and then we get married and it's a legally binding thing just the same as a business ag- arrangement and then you have this thing but you've never actually discussed the terms of your relationship we wait until we get married to, to have a contract but even then we don't discuss it mm. and maybe once you start getting into swinging or polyamory or opening a relationship that might be the first time you ever even consider the fact that you need to discuss the things that you both expect from one another because, because of exactly Absolutely. what you said. Absolutely. We're just, we're just on autopilot rules, arbitrary rules, right. That, that we just picked up from our family or we like plugged in from like, you know, something we watched or read. And then we just go with that. And we think everybody knows what marriage means, but none of us fucking know what marriage means. And I know this from, from coaching so many kids for so many years, like a lot of my athletes would be with me for 10 years straight. So I would see their families and all of this. And every single family does family differently. Every single parent child relationship has like a different set of arbitrary rules. And I, this is what I tell my own kids. They're 15, 13 and nine. Every family in every relationship says, okay, this is what's allowed over here. This is what's allowed over here. And it's all arbitrary. It's just to help us feel safer because we know that our kids or our partner or our pets even will stray beyond that line sometimes. And we just want to feel safe knowing how far we can anticipate they'll stray. You know, it's not even because we don't think anybody will ever cross that line. It's just, we set them in different places to make ourselves feel safer. And just to take a look at, okay, wait a minute. How have I actually constructed this this box for what it's like to be a good mom, what I expected of you a good as a good husband. And what are all of these silent expectations? Like with, with the heterosexual couples, so often I get this, like, yeah, I get so many DMs where women really feel like, oh, you know what? I have to have sex with my partner, like a minimum of X times per week, month, whatever, like as part of their fucking marriage contract, right? But they've never mm-hmm. talked about it. They just know the other person will kind of be grumpy if it's like not happening. But it's like, let's fucking stop all of this nonsense because that's like, you know, that's like, um, you know, if your kid doesn't want their blankie washed, so you like, you like sub it out with another blankie and wash it without telling them. Like, it's like, we're treating, we're treating adults like children because so many of us aren't willing to have an honest conversation um, and really take a look at like the autopilot rules that we're, we're operating on. Yeah, a hundred percent. So in this instance about the the partner, your husband, not being jealous, mm. what happens what happens? What'd you do with that information? And how'd you make him jealous? <laughs> yeah. How'd you I get really him? tried. <laughs> I really tried. Yeah. And 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 that I re- <laughs> you know I did. You know mm. I did. <laughs> um, but all all I did was make the wife Jess, Brad's wife, more jealous and more Mm. uncomfortable. And that became Mm. so uncomfortable for me because I thought, fuck, I have always been a team player. I mean, I chose the only discipline of figure skating that's a team sport. And it's the only one that doesn't go to the Olympics, right? 
like the most obscure discipline of, of, you know, a fancy ass sport. Yeah. I, I choose, I choose the most unknown one because I like being part of a team. So mm. for me to be letting down Jess in a really like a way that I wouldn't want to do to anyone. Like it wasn't in my integrity to be so fucking crazy obsessed with her husband and be hoping that she would keep going along with it. Yeah. Just so he and I could get it on. Right. Cause we kept backing off and like, Oh, we'll just hang out. We'll just hang out, you know, um, kind of as friends, like to make Jess more comfortable. And, and I was like, I am being the biggest asshole in the world, like over this guy. It's like, I, I'm not even 14 years old anymore. Like I, I'm 35 and this is not, this is not an integrity for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I'm going to get this husband of mine to like, like wake up and go, oh my God, I love you. But I know that, I know that going after this other guy who, who has a wife with three kids or four kids they had is not the way, is not the way to do it. So walking away from that situation and walking away from the lifestyle and turning back to my marriage that I was like, oh fuck, I wish I could have just gone back and not done any of this because I thought my marriage was pretty good. But now this is what I tell people about, you know, non-monogamy is it's, it's going to teach you things you didn't know about your relationship, but it might teach you some things you didn't want to know about yeah. your relationship mm -hmm. and yourself, right? It's like, it's Pandora's box a bit. Um, but luckily the things that come out are all true. So, so Pandora's box of truth, like instead of being addicted and so committed to trying to do what I thought was best, I was like, oh, no, no, I'm going to shine my light on the truth. And anytime I can let myself know, holy fuck, I had that completely wrong. Bingo. Like that's a new gold star for me. Mm -hmm. That's like less attached to ego and more attached to integrity. Mm -hmm. um, but turning back into my marriage was really lonely because I thought, okay, almost guaranteed I'm not going to get what I need here. And now I really realize how much I need. So I started giving it to myself. I started writing love letters to myself, like meditating. Mm. I'd, I'd been meditating for years, but I really went deeper into my spiritual practice. And through that, I came to a point where I was really fine walking away from my marriage. And instead of feeling like it made me a bad mom or, you know, I taking an L on the marriage was like a huge blow to my ego, but saying it to my partner, like, but I think this is definitely the best thing we can do. Like we're good at a lot of things, but having emotional intimacy as grownups and modeling that for our children and modeling great communication is like something we just kind of suck at. So wouldn't it be better to say to our kids, Hey, mommy and daddy, like we have a lot of stuff figured out, but this, we want you to know that was like, that was like fifth grade level. Like we want, we, we look forward to you having more mature relationships than that with your partners when you grow up and we can learn from you. Wow. Um, and I had, I had been emotional at other times in our, in our marriage and he was raised in a Greek Orthodox household. So this joke I have, that's totally not funny, but it's so fucking true. And it just, it, it goes across the board for a lot of people who are raised with misogyny is that he was trained his whole life to ignore the sound of a woman's voice. Mm. So unless I would be like bawling or stomping my feet, which is like really not my style, I would rather just like deliver like a subtle, like, Hey, I had a realization, boom, boom, boom. I'd have him remember it forever. Cause like mm -hmm. I meant it. I would have, I would like work myself up into like, okay, I'm going to like cry about it. Like on Thursday, cause uh, that's the only way he'll hear about it. He'll hear me. <laughs> right. I so hear that by the way. You hear that? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, hear it. And just like, 
How come it takes me getting to this fucking point for it to be like for you to hear it? And then also like then it just feeds into the fucking stereotype that we are hysterical and emotional. But it's like, how the fuck else do I get you to hear what I'm yeah. saying? Well, we're, we're just dogs, you know. Like it has hit that certain frequency. Oh, it's a frequency thing. Yeah, it's it's just a it's just a frequency thing as dogs, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and, but the thing is, then, like, <laughs> then you know what? We'll put your bowl in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can sleep in your crate tonight. Yeah, you can sleep in your crate. Like and 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 you know, dogs can't handle their own money, clearly. <laughs> so I'll make all the financial decisions. Okay. Yes. Like I think you just summed it up. It's like we figured you know, it out, folks. This is it. This yeah, is, well, we got to the bottom of it here. It's a term, in another, term exclusive. In, an, <laughs> in another podcast, they say, so like so okay, that was that was probably five years ago that I had that I said Ooh. to my husband, look, I think that best thing we can do is just like say we don't fucking know how to do marriage like we really tried but we're not that good at it um and that would be more of a gift to our kids than us just staying together in this mediocre marriage that that is a good partnership in other ways but mediocre marriage and for my husband because we always had hot sex because I know my body and like I've almost not had any bad sex. Like all the sex I've ever had is good. Cause like I'm a choreographer too. I'm like higher, lower, faster, slower, five, six, seven, eight climax. Like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not that hard. Right. I used to be able to get like 16 to 18 athletes with blades on their feet to do interesting things. Like, you know, getting myself to orgasm with a partner is not that hard. Okay. So, but, but that confused, that confused my husband in a lot of ways because he really thought growing up in like a really traditional household, oh my God, like he thought, yeah, most people stop having sex by the time they're like 30, 35. It's like my wife and I keep having hot sex a couple of times a week. Like I'm winning at life. Like We're I'm the king it. of the yeah. world. We're killing yeah. it. Right. Yeah. No matter what she says, I'm still killing it. She yeah. loves, she, her pants come off. She has three orgasms. Yeah. Yes, they do. Cause she knows her body very well. Thank you. <laughs> She could do it without um, you, by the way. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And without you, I have five. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and, and, so, but something, because it wasn't an ultimatum then, I was really clear on like, oh shit. Yeah, I, I'm not doing anybody any favors saying here. And I don't think you are either. Um, because I think he really heard that, he actually did start to shift, which was fucking annoying because I was like, no, 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 I, I'm already clear. But then he shifted and he shifted and I realized- what I did was say, Hey, like, I would love to have a marriage where that happens over the grownups table. Like that's where I would love to have a marriage. And I don't think we can do that. So I don't think we should do this anymore. Cause we're just kind of pretending it's like, we're, it's like, we're, you know, middle schoolers pretending at marriage, like in the way that we're actually emotionally connecting. Um, and he felt that I meant it. So he did actually shift. He shifted in like, and the past five years have been really good. And then we're going through another marriage renovation now at, that started with our oldest going into high school. He's taller than me now. Like he'll walk in a room sometimes and they'll think he's my husband, like, cause he's <laughs> lifting, playing freshman football. And it's so interesting now, the dynamic between us, between me and my husband, when we have another bro in the house. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole new level of like, oh, wait a minute, having integrity as a parent of a six-year-old is different and less challenging than having integrity with a 15 year old who's mansplaining to your wife. Mm. And what are you going to do about it? And can you even acknowledge it? Are you going to be like, he's making some good points because that's the, 
that's the rub so often, I think, in heterosexual relationships is like men are trying to be what they think a man should be, right? And then projecting, okay, so that means women are like this. That means my buddies are like this. That means, right? Like, instead of going, stop, that we are two unique humans in an adult relationship together. And regardless of our genders, regardless of our sex, we are both uniquely gifted, uniquely fucking annoying. And we're all like just so different in so many different ways. Mm. And instead of like coming like clean slate here, here's who I am as a human. And who are you as a human? Oh, okay. Here, here are the ways that our differences can fit in together so well. Um, that just, that just takes a lot of integrity, right? To say, Hey, even that thing that I've tried to that front, I've tried to keep up for years. I realize that's not really me. Hmm. And then being able to drop that, like allowing your own mind to be changed by the things you learn. I can only imagine, like, as soon as you said you were, you had your, all your kids were boys, my perspective shifts because I, well, Jeremy's sister has four boys, two of her own and two stepsons. And it seems to be a very significantly different experience for mothers of all boys, as opposed to like mixed genders or all girls, like your role in you and your husband's role in like teaching them about manhood is like a different thing than what their peers are going to teach them. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, you know, what they're learning by what they see at home. And it just seems like, and also a 15 year old, you know, 15, 16, like, and you've got new hormones to deal with and all of this kind of stuff. So I don't know. I just wanted to state that because I think that's a unique, it's a unique situation for mm. a mother. Um, not that it's all that uncommon, but it's, it's definitely got its own set of, I, I can only imagine like. It does. It, and the playbook. way, yeah, it's a different playbook and it's called the bro code is what the playbook's <laughs> called. <laughs> and and I have to go, ooh, ooh, hi, sound the alarm. Hi, hi, everybody. So I know it seems like we're at Barstool Sports, but this is my fucking kitchen. Okay, so let's just like remind everyone of like what listening with compassion is. And it's like, yeah. honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm on fucking Reddit and I'm in my house. So it's like, it's, and it's funny and it's fucking exhausting too, yeah. all at the same time. Um, because and on this other podcast, I, I was on this man, he was like, so do you like put your husband in his place? And I was like, I do. I say the grownups table is over here. Like, would you like to join me? <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like I have the bar set high for how adults should act around children that they're guiding. Right. Like I coached, I coached team sports for two decades. And yeah. I'm like, Hey, when you're the adult in the room, here's the standard at which you have to hold yourself to. Mm. Um, as far as it's not as far as like uh, shutting down or not showing emotion, but like as far as like, oh, the greatest good, like you have to have a resonance with like, oh, wait a minute. You have to be able to quickly assess what would overall bring the best good in this situation, right? We have three kids of different ages. We have two pets here. We have two adults. Boom. This is, I think, the note we need to hit that's going to like be the most beneficial to everybody. And mm. in order to do that, you need to assess the situation. You need fucking emotional intelligence mm. to assess the situation, to read the level underneath of yourself and everyone else and go, hey, here's how we're gonna move forward. 
or here's how we're going to go deeper into this. That's what it is a lot of the time is staying in a hard situation and going, wait a minute. No, no, no. I know everybody would like to exit and my husband would like me to fucking drop it, but no, we're going to go deeper into this pause. We're going to stay here at this table and we're going to just break down what just happened there conversationally and go, okay, here's where we went a little sideways. Here's where, you know, you, Luke, he's my 13 year old. We're not being the best version of yourself. And then, right, we all got kind of sidetracked, but here's how we could get back. And like I talked to my kids, it's just like recalibration, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to like step off the path. And it's the job of people who are leaders for you. And as parents, that's the greatest thing we should be as leaders to our kids is to say, oh, hey, hey, your, your true north is over this way. Like mm-hmm. your best self, this direction. And it's not like we're trying to turn our kids into ourselves. We're, we're trying to turn our kids into the best version of them. So like helping them plug into their integrity requires a lot of humility because sometimes your kid is, is going to plug into their integrity and go, and yeah, I think I know better than you. And maybe they do. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just takes a lot of attention. And I think a lot of care to have the relationships and have the dynamics that you're experiencing with your family be good building blocks for them. And I mean, Manny grew up in a family where like people don't usually move out until they're in their thirties and married. And I moved out of my Manitoba home when I was 17 and then moved to a new country when I was 21. And I just think like, yeah, once your child graduates high school, like they're not under your wing anymore. Mm -hmm. So like the clock has been clicking or the clock has been ticking since I like pushed out that first baby, right. Who's now 15 and a half. And Manny sort of thinks like our parenting starts when he goes to college. Mm. So it's like this really different um, dynamic that in addition to being married, as you're parenting kids at different ages, then you just get a whole new, like it's like a whole new um, horizon like opens up, like a whole new environment just rolls out. And it's like, okay, here now we're in this wild world. Mm -hmm. Like how are we all going to act with integrity under these circumstances? Wow. Uh, so obviously your kids know about your book. I would assume you haven't, you've it, within your integrity, you've shared all of it. Like, how do you talk to them about relationships and, and activities like swinging and, and things like that and how to do that yeah. with integrity? Well, it was interesting because I had, it was really important to me, especially marrying into a family that was a lot more conservative than the family where I was raised to be mm. super clear with my kids um, about just the arbitrary rules that families set. And in a lot of cases, my rules in our house were more, were stricter than their friends rules, like video games and media and stuff like that, like when they were little. So understanding that every family has different rules and that every relationship that adults go into is different. Like, you know, they have friends with two moms, friends with two dads, like, and, um, explaining to them at a young age as well, that there are some people who will say only this kind of marriage is correct. But we really believe like people can be trusted to love who they love and to be who they want to be. Like we can trust people to do that. Okay. To tell us who they are. Um, So they already knew that there were a lot of different ways things could go. And they already knew what monogamy and non-monogamy were. And I mean, like, listen, they like, you know, they love sports and TikTok and stuff now. And like, you know, their favorite basketball players, like dating somebody new every week. Like the fact that you would date more than one person is like not earth shattering to children. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, they know that the book swing was about non-monogamy. And I, the way I explained it to them was your dad and I 
a few years ago thought that maybe we would want to date other people in addition to being married. And we realized right away that that was a really complicated situation for us. And our relationship wasn't as healthy as we thought it was. So it pointed out to us a lot of things that we needed to work on in ourselves and in our marriage so that we could be a happier married couple, happier individuals and have a happier family. And that's why so many things have changed in our lives over the past few years that like, you know, we talk differently and we spend time together differently. And like, you know, there's more affection and like all of that is because of the things that we learned. Um, and my kids were like, not even phased at all, mm. not at all phased with it. And even, I mean, TikTok's my biggest platform and like even kids at school will be like, can your mom show me how to go viral on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got to give yeah. kids so much credit. And also in like the social media age, it's, it's a different thing. Like parents aren't automatically embarrassing because they exist. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it's a really cool thing with this generation of kids. Like they can look at another kid's parents and go, oh my God, your your parent is smart in that or they're cool in that. And they're like, yeah, I know my parents cool. You know, like there's there's this shift, like our kids are are more open to their parents just being parents too, mm -hmm. right? Because like mm -hmm. they're more open with each other and their friends and what they think their life is going to look like. And luckily it shines back on, mm -hmm. on the older people as well. That they, you know, the kids have more compassion for us than we have for ourselves sometimes. I, th I think too that it comes from like our generation, and I say our like including all three of us here. Uh, our generation looking back at the way that we were parented and going, I don't know if that's it. Like I don't know if that's the language that they should have used. I don't know if that's the approach they should have had. Um, I you know I don't want to I don't want to repeat that. To which I'm sure they had the same thoughts and feelings yes. to their parents and their parents to their parents, and it's like. So yeah, there is this like it, when you see a shift in the in the the way that we are acting as like par, like parental units, you're going to see that shift, you know, be portrayed in the in the children and how they come up. And so that's why we get these like generational gaps and these differences and these things where you know you you see the headlines come out of like Gen Z, like they they're not they're they're not jerking off anymore and you're like what well what, what the fuck's that all about and then you you kind of trace it back and you go oh well maybe it's like tied to this and this and this and yeah, it's, i mean right? we, we talked we've talked about like the sexual education part of it and yeah. how like you know for us our sexual education fucking sucked mm -hmm. like it fucking sucked it sucked and so when i have a kid i'm going to make it my fucking like biggest effort to ensure that that child gets to know what sex is at, at as soon as possible with language that is suitable for that particular age and that language yeah. will evolve as they grow older which like i didn't get that you know and no, so and, yeah. and we'll fuck up too you'll fuck it up too and then yeah. those and the, you know and our kids will fuck do, it up and it's just a and repeating then you have a cycle really good relationship with yeah. your grandkids and i think that's what it's all about right it's just like <laughs> yeah, your kids yeah. might resent you but your grandkids yeah. they're gonna think yeah. you're the best thing so here here's my here I was raised by super strict parents and I was super mm. strict with myself. So as soon as my second was born, when my first baby was 22 months old, when uh, his name's Jack, when Luke was born and my frustrations for my older one, my toddler, like exploded immediately. And I was like, holy shit, what is this force within me that is so mad at this like little kid for like not being quiet when I'm putting the baby down? Like I felt so disrespected. He was two, right? <laughs> and it wasn't until he was like three. And then I would say, quiet, I'm putting the baby down. He'd go, okay. And I'm like, 
oh, because he actually possessed the impulse control developmentally at three. It wasn't mm-hmm. that he hated me when he was two, but that's the first thing that came up, right? Mm. So I would I would yell and like, and a lot of my frustration in my marriage and in, in work would like just come out sideways at my kids, right? Like I could keep like the, the good facade in the other places. What I decided was, I'm just going to apologize every time I'm a fucking asshole to my kids. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. The words are out of my mouth. I'm like, blah, 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 and I'm like, that was completely uncalled for. I am so sorry. That had nothing to do with you. Shit. I should not check my email before breakfast. <laughs> right? Like I will just be like, fuck. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, I was like, whoo, that's a lot. Okay. But it clears the air because I think as kids so often, an adult has a super big reaction and we're like, that couldn't possibly be about what I just did. And then they double down, right? Mm. And they're like, let me tell you why it was and why you're even even more trouble. And it's like, you know what? Just fucking have some honesty and some integrity that when you overstep, you go, shit, I didn't mean to do that. And I don't actually know what my reaction is going to be, but like, I need a minute. Mm. And then kids just are like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, we're being honest here that she like doesn't know how to react. And it's like, all right, that was surprising what you did. And I just not really sure what to say. You know, it's like, we don't have to fucking get it right in the moment. We just have to be honest when we like don't know what to do in the moment or when we did something and we're like, okay, I would like to take that back. Could we, could we take that back? Um, that has given me so much grace in my relationships with my kids. Mm. And yeah. I think really helps them admit their mistakes, admit where they've fucked up um, so much more quickly because like, oh, I fucked up. It's like, okay, come here, come here. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. All right, can we fix this? Like, it's really a welcoming in um, instead of, uh, you know, getting on your defenses, like, like how you should reprimand them. Mm. Yeah. As, as someone who has never had a parent apologize to them for blowing up at, you know, me or any of my siblings for something that now in retrospect, looking back was, as you say, probably more of a symptom of things that weren't going well in other parts of their life, but they just didn't have those skills, you know, to, to either, regulate to take a pause to not react to apologize you know it's like that fucking translates strongly to me as as a child as an as an adult you know, probably i'm going to learn that from that book that you just recommended is that my inability to apologize to to just feel so much fucking shame when i do something that's out of integrity that i can't even say like to to have the freedom to be able to say in that moment, oh my God, I should not have behaved that way. I'm really sorry. And to have the immediate feedback of your kids going, oh, we're being honest here. You can't I, argue. You can't argue with honesty when someone's you can't. being honest with you. And a lot of people, a lot of people are afraid of honesty because they think that it's going to take their power away. That you can't be honest with a kid because then the kid won't respect you. And it's like, we all know what's true, whether you're saying it or not. Like we all know what's true and what happens when adults are dishonest and out of integrity around kids is kids start to doubt themselves. Yes. A hundred percent. And so I just, I just tell my kids, Hey, like we're having a hard day here and there's nothing to do with you. So like, if you come in here and you're like, something's off, just know, yeah, not, not to do with you. And they're like, mm-hmm. good. Okay. I mean, it's just like, it's like giving the kids the weather report. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not you. It's fucking raining in the kitchen. You know, like just instead of trying to pull the wool over their eyes, I mean, I think this is something from coaching kids at an elite level from ages like seven to 18. 
my athletes were all different ages. And I mean, kids are fucking brilliant and they're reliable. And I mean, they want to keep each other safe and they can think ahead and like, they have better ideas than the adults sometimes. And like just opening, opening the possibility to like have your mind changed by your kid is the biggest thing you can do to then facilitate cooperation with them, mm. especially when you want them to do something that they don't see the importance of. You can be like, I know that you don't get it, but I need you to trust me on this. And I need, mm. I need us to do it this way. Um, and then we can see we, cause I think it's going to be right, but maybe this is fucking stupid and maybe this is going to make it harder. And I'm just going to put that on the table right now. If it backfires, we can have this conversation and be like, all right, yeah, I was a hundred percent wrong there. How can we both learn from this? Mm. Well, Ashley, I got to say like, this is, um, it, it's so fun to just sit and, and converse with you and, and just like watch you talk. Like you, you're, you really are <laughs> like, you really are. I, I haven't said a whole lot because I've been just enamored by, by the way that you you just share your thoughts and it really is like it's eye-opening it's funny it's it's you know it's engaging it's free it's insightful yeah it's just it's you really are like um I'm sure you've heard this before you must have but you're you're a wonderful podcast guest and uh I'm I'm so grateful that you took time into your schedule to sit down and talk with us today um I know for sure there's going to be some listeners out there that want to get their copy of Swing ASAP, where can they find the book? And, and in addition to that, where can they find you and stay up to the work, stay up to date with the work that you're, you're up to? Yeah. So Swing is available everywhere books are sold and the audiobook is on Audible. I narrate it. Um, I also have a second book called Keeping It Hot, The Workbook, which is a bunch of fun exercises for opening up conversations in and outside the bedroom, mostly Ooh. outside the bedroom because most bedroom dynamics are a result of bad dynamics in your whole life. <laughs> the way you do one thing is the way you do all things. Mm. Um, and people can come over and see me on Instagram, Ashley Renard. Ashley has all the extra letters, A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H. And my podcast just released at the end of March. Sweet. And it's called Keeping It Hot with Ashley Renard. Um, and I talk about questions from my DMs, common relationship dynamic things that I've seen in my years of coaching and how they relate to marriage and just giving people, giving people some actionable advice for, you know, I think we need to like consume less content and like have more conversations with the people we live with, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's what each episode encourages people to do. Like take the information and like start a conversation with your partner. Like don't wait till your next fight, like start a conversation now to try to like, you know, recalibrate the trajectory you're on because a lot of us, a lot of us just are desiring more connection in relationships mm. and we're wired for cooperation and connection. And I think just sometimes we're just, our signals are crossed and the podcast really gives some ideas on how to and how to untwist those so you guys can get on the same page. Amazing. Well, again, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a real treat. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Thank you for having me on. All right, there we have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast further, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. 
And uh, if you want to uh, support the podcast even further than that, which you can. Wow. You can You're go to so kind and thoughtful and so generous. Thoughtful, so generous. Go to patreon.com slash turn me on uh, to become a patron and help us uh, keep this podcast afloat. Well, if you want to reach out to us, turn me on podcast at gmail.com is always open for all of your messages. That's the best way to get in touch. If you have a question for us, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you have a recommendation for a guest on the show, or if you just want to send us a little love note, uh, email money transfer, uh, all of that. Sex toy. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, our email inbox is open to you. That is it for this week. Until next week. Why don't you go touch yourself? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.